Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. Feels a little different. I feel tired already from getting up earlier, but I'm sure my body will adjust. And usually when Emory adjusts is like six months later when it's time to readjust again. Um, so I'm sure there's lots of family members that feel the same way. Uh, but so what I felt like the Lord was leading me today to speak on was worship. Um, we have lots of different uh, ideas of worship. We have individual worship. We have corporate worship. And how does that work together? And we are a church that I would say honors worship. Um, and when I mean honors worship is we make a place for it. We're able to move with worship. If, worship, if we feel like worship is going to go longer, uh, we allow it to go longer. Um, a lot of churches only have a couple songs and then they're done. So one way you can see how people value something is by how much time they give to it, right? And so normal, on a normal Sunday, we give about four, 30 to 45 minutes to worship out of a two-hour block. Um, and so that is us saying that we value taking time together and worshiping Jesus and worshiping the Father and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in this room. Um, but with corporate worship, it is a whole bunch of individual worshipers coming together and partnering together to do that. And so what I want to speak on today is kind of talking about how individual worship uh, comes together into corporate worship and the struggles we have with corporate worship because we're used to individually worshiping. But with that, I want to start by saying we are transitioning, right? Um, people transition from season to seasons in the spirit and in the physical. And so an example would be, um, I'll use Dennis Beers. Dennis, you moved from Grandview to Belton how many years ago? Four years ago. Dennis lived in Grandview and then bought a house in Belton and moved to Belton. He transitioned. His season changed. Even though he might have this, do the same job, have the same family members, when you move physical locations, you are now doing things differently than you did before. We are transition, transitioning worship leaders, right? So Chelsea is leaving. She's moving to Denver. And now we have to fill that spot. You know, so we've had two people apply already. And then next week, we have another lady who's, who's applied to be a worship leader. Whoever the Lord picks for, us to be, for them to be the worship leader, it's going to transition us from one season to another just because we have a different leader. They will lead different. They will sing different. They will feel different. They have different giftings than Chelsea had. And so we have to be open to change, but also we have to be, our hearts have to be open so we can see where the Lord's taking us. Because we don't want to be focused on how worship has been, because it's been great. And we, if we focus on that too much, then we'll miss where the Lord's trying to take us. And so I, I, during the time I was praying about this new season, what does worship look like? I felt like the Lord gave me uh, a few sentences. And out of those few sentences, I want to give to you. And then I want to talk about how I feel like the Lord could open those doors. So I wrote it down. I said, I believe we're headed into a time when we're going to feel the joy of the Lord. That was so strong to me when the Lord said, it's the joy of the Lord that's going to give this church strength. And when he said it, it felt different than before. You know, because we can come in here and we feel the Lord's joy. We feel his pleasure. 
And I was talking to him, I'm like, what do you mean by the joy? How will it give me strength? How will it give us strength? And I felt like the Lord was saying, we're going to enter into worship sometimes, not every time, that we will be so engulfed in the beauty of the Lord and in who he is that we will be filled with joy and all our worries will fall away. That we won't even think about the stress that we just had getting to church or the stress we had this week with family members or work. It will all go away and all we can think about is how happy we are that God came and chose us and saved us. Does that make sense? And I saw a picture of people laughing. And I said, are we going to get filled with the spirit where we will laugh? And he's like, of course you will, because you've done it before. And I do remember times when we have worshiped together and you have looked around the room and people are just laughing or smiling. And I feel like the Lord is going to increase those seeds that were sown years ago with that. Because I can clearly remember one service where the joy of the Lord was being poured out and people were just sitting here with smiles on their face, worshiping God. And I feel like the joy is going to come uh, in a fresh new way and we need to be ready for that. Uh, I felt like the Lord said physical healings are going to start happening more. Right now, we are a church that values healing. We pray for the ones who are sick. We lay hands on them, and we have seen some people healed, and we've seen other people who don't. And I felt like the Lord said, tied with this joy is going to come healings, physical healings where people who have uh, pain in their body are going to get healed, and it's because of the worship anointing that God is raising up in this house. And I saw the movement of the Spirit different than what the norm is for us. You know, so what I mean by that is we are a church that when we come to worship, it's, we could say it's common that somebody will come up and grab a microphone and lead in some way that they're feeling something from the Lord. Like that's a common experience. One thing that isn't as common is during worship, people in the crowd, the body, ministering to one another. We do that a handful of times where you could be just worshiping and you looked over to the left and you see a certain person laying hands on somebody else, just praying for them on their own. And I felt like the Lord said, that is where he's taking us in this next season is where you and me will know who we are, feel equipped to minister to one another and it not to be a distraction. One of the things the Lord uh, has given us body is a lot of boldness. We have a lot of leaders in this room. We have a lot of people who've been around, who know how to minister to one another. And I see the Lord opening up a door for us to minister to one another during worship and for it not to feel weird or out of place. Does that make sense? And then um, with that, it's you knowing who you are in your giftings. And the Lord brought up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we are one body. And as one body, not all of us can be hands, not all of us can be ears, not all of us can be mouth or legs, but we are one body and we know what our giftings are so this body can flourish and be strong. And I think that's going to start happening more and more during worship. God's going to be speaking about who you are and what your identity is, what giftings he's given you, and for you to just step out in faith with them, and he was going to meet us. Does that make sense? All right, so now I'm actually going to start my sermon. That, that's just like the, that's the, the, where we're going with this, is for me, hopefully, just to give you some insight 
into where God is taking us and how we can get on that train where he's going. How can I equip myself in this season so I'm open to be used by God in a new way and to be able to step out in a different way that I might not be comfortable with, but he's actually equipped us for, for this season. So individual worship. My favorite verse about individual worship is John chapter 4, verse 23. I'll read it to you. But a time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. You know, that's a very powerful statement that John makes is that he's saying that the Father in heaven is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. So you have to ask yourself, what does it mean to worship him in spirit? Does the Father want me to leave my body and my spirit come over here during worship and my spirit's worshiping him? I don't think that's what he's, he's asking us to do. Is he asking me to sing in the spirit more? You know, is that how I'm going to worship him in the spirit? Well, maybe... But the scripture is clear about what he actually means by us worshiping him in the spirit. And that's what the father's looking for. And the verse is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So what Paul is telling us is that when we sacrifice our flesh and we sacrifice our desires and we do God's desires, that's actually worship before the throne. That's the worship that, father, that the Father is looking for. When we use the term worship, usually we're talking about instruments and music and how we sing. But when you look towards scripture, a lot of individual worship is actually you being transformed to Jesus. Over and over and over, Paul talks about in his scripture is about you being transformed, you renewing your mind, you choosing to do righteousness. And out of that, that is worship before him. So one thing you have to think about is when you choose, let's just say somebody is mean to you, right? Like they say something just, just kind of nasty and kind of like a, a sharp word towards you. And you choose in your heart that you're going to love them and bless them. In the spirit, imagine this huge sense of incense going up before the Lord. It's worship when you turn the other cheek. It's worship when you love your neighbor. It's worship when you lay down your life for a friend. That is the worship that God is causing us to do. Individual worship is us doing the fruits of the spirit, choosing righteousness, and laying down our lives so that Jesus would be glorified. That is very easy to say, but we all know that that's very hard to do. In some areas, we fight it. We resist it. We don't think that God actually sees us or that it actually matters. But before him, that is the worship that the Father is longing for, is so that when he looks at us from heaven, that he sees Jesus in us, and he sees the different places we've chosen to do his kingdom instead of our kingdom. I want to lead you to this next verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So we can apply this verse almost to anything that we do. 
And I'm going to apply it today as individual worship. All right? Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards the ones who seek him. So what do I mean by this? I, what I'm trying to say is when we have individual worship and we take our individual worship, our day-to-day lives of how we're living before the Lord, and we come here on a Sunday morning to, in, to come into corporate worship, if I'm posturing my heart with a Hebrews 11 saying, Lord, I'm going to worship you with everything I have. And when I do that, I know you are going to respond. So sometimes people say with corporate worship, hey, corporate worship isn't about us, right? Have you ever heard that? Corporate worship is about us worshiping God. That's true. But then there's always a twofold, right? Because the Lord, when we worship him, what happens when we worship him? Our hearts feel different. I think differently. I feel differently. Revelation is given about who he is. I'm declaring through song the characteristics of Jesus. So it's transforming my mind. It's transforming my heart. So when we worship, I'm changed because he wants to change me. He wants to change you. And when we posture ourselves as servants before him, because he is worthy of our worship, we are changed because, he, because we are worshiping him. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. So what, when you come before him, and you believe that he sees you and it matters, you are changed because he's going to reward you with different things. It might not be that you feel his presence. It might not be that you get the greatest revelation of the song you just sang or the book of the Bible. But what is changed is internally the Lord is changing your heart to feel him and to know him in a deeper way. Does that make sense? So that's how we take individual worship And when we bring our individual worship in here on a corporate worship, I'm expecting God to move. When I come in on a Sunday morning, even if it's not somebody coming up with a microphone, I'm expecting when we sing that people in this room are feeling his love and we're giving his love back to him. And in return, he's telling us about who he is and about who we are, and it's setting us free. So musicians have the giftings and abilities from God to change our lives. And there's many scriptures in the Bible that talk about musicians changing people's hearts, changing their atmosphere, releasing prophecy, and releasing healing. And I want to talk about one. If you want to turn to me, I'm going to read it. It's kind of long. It's 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I'm going to start in verse 14. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrified him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrifying you. May our Lord now command your servants who are before you, have them search for a man who is a skillful musician on a harp, and it shall come about whenever the evil spirit of God is upon you, that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will, be, you will become well. So Saul said to his servants, Now select for a man who can play well, and bring him to me. Then one of the young men responded and said, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, 
who is a skilled musician, a valiant, mighty man, a warrior, skillful in speech and handsome, and the Lord is with him. Verse 23, so it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take a harp and play, and with his hand, and Saul would feel relieved and become well, and the evil spirit would leave him. You know, it's fascinating when we read the Bible, how much in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that they understood the spiritual realm. These are people who are in Saul's circle and says, hey, when you are being tormented by an evil spirit, we can find a skillful musician, they can come in and play and that spirit will leave. How did they get that understanding? How did they get that revelation? And Saul understood it and said, go do it. And then we see that when David would come in, he would play and it would change how Saul felt. How often have you come in on a Sunday morning feeling down, thinking about yourself, not feeling the greatest internally, and the worshipers lead us into the presence of God, and we forget about me feeling sad anymore. Or my brain was so focused on all these other jobs that I have to do this week, but during worship, all that burden lifted off, and I was able to see him and praise him. That is the anointing of a worship leader leading us into the presence of God so that we can be free from the things that are pulling us down and so that we are then able to worship him in a better way. Because if I didn't have that worship, right, I would still be feeling down about myself. I would be feeling confused. I wouldn't even be thinking about God. So I'm robbing God of that worship. But when the worship comes on and it sets me free, I'm able then to give God the offering of worship. That is where we as a church have done. I've seen it where people have come in the door, me, myself, and I, come through the door feeling down, and the spirit comes because they're playing this um, anointed song, and it sets me free to be able to focus on him and not worry about what just happened, right? I believe that's going to keep happening, but I think it's going to happen even in a deeper way because God wants us to be more aware of what's going on in the spirit, what's going on in this room, so that we can engage with him and go deeper. So when we are in school, you know, say we're in kindergarten, when you move from kindergarten to first grade, it's a big jump. Kindergarten, you can kind of still maybe have diapers on if they let you, but when you hit first grade, no more diapers and, you know, no more nap time. I feel like we're kindergartners moving into first grade, and that's not a negative thing. You know, we, before the Lord, know so little, right? Because he's so infinite, he's so much bigger than we are, that we are learning as children, and he's saying, okay, I'm taking you from this good season you've been in. You've enjoyed kindergarten, you've enjoyed your snack time, you enjoyed your, your naps. I'm moving you to first grade now, where you're going to have to learn how to do things in a different way, and it's going to be hard at first. It's going to be stretching. And the way it stretches us is because when we're in corporate worship, we want to do corporate worship usually the way we do individual worship. So if I like fast, upbeat music in my individual worship time, when I come to corporate worship, that's usually what I want. I want upbeat, fast music. Other people who worship in their 
alone individual time, might like the slow music, might like the 70s or 60s or 50 songs that I don't even know. So when they play that during the corporate time, I'm looking around like, I don't even know what words we're just saying. I've never heard this song before. And individually, I can choose to either partner with corporate worship or check out, right? Because of my own individual style. What I feel like God's saying is we can't check out anymore. We can't be the kindergartners that want it my way, right? Like we, as most people in this room, not everybody, are uh, born in America, Americans. A lot of times with Americans, the thing that is ingrained in us is the word I, right? Like I want it this way. How do I feel? What do I want? And sometimes we lose the unity factor that we're supposed to walk in with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with the body. How we're one body and how there's many cultures, many age groups, many different styles of worship, not one's better than the other, not one leads us into the presence of God more than the other. It's our personal posture before the Lord is, am I going to take part of this corporate worship or am I going to restrain myself and get on my phone and look on the internet? You know, so that happens in this church right now. That happens to me sometimes when I'm out there. If I'm not liking the music, I'll be like, oh man, maybe I should just pull out my phone, you know, check my emails. Nobody's looking, nobody will notice. And I have to choose to engage with worship. It doesn't mean I have to stand. It doesn't mean I have to clap. It doesn't mean I have to dance. Internally, I have to set my eyes on the Lord and say, Lord, even though I don't like this song right now, I'm going to choose to worship you in spirit and in truth. And when we do that, we'll find out there's so much more freedom because then we're not judging what other people are doing. So with our church, and I say this in a nice way, we have a variety of worshipers. We have people who are very uh, well-equipped and know how to sing. And then you have me at the very end that cannot sing at all. That if you said, what is a C note, I would look at you like I don't have a clue what you just said. Um, so I'm on this specter over here, hanging off of a cliff with worship, but I can come in with the best singer and sit next to them and worship them the same. I just don't sing as loudly because I don't want to affect their worship. That's a personal thing. That's not, if you want to sing loud, you sing loud. I'm saying as a corporate worshiper, I know I don't want to distract somebody who's better than I, and I can sing the same and yell the same and shout the same, but I don't want to uh, be a distraction before them entering in before the Lord. That's being a servant, right? When we lay our lives or our agenda down for somebody else, that's us serving them. When we come together as worship, there's going to be things that you personally want to do that might not fit in a corporate time, but fits in an individual time. And you have to choose in your heart when is the good time and when is not. And I'm not saying that we're not open to new things because Dennis and Matt and Ryan are open to almost anything with worship as long as it's leading us to the testimony of Jesus. If it's pointing people to God, we want to do it. Even if it seems weird or feels out of place, we're open to it. But the Bible's clear that God loves order. 
And we have to still flow in that order. And the order is, A, respecting those who God's placed above us. So it'd be like the pastors and the elders and submitting what we're feeling to them. But then also, if you feel like you want to dance, then you dance and you worship before the Lord with dance. But then if somebody came up and said, hey, do you mind just going back here for a little bit while you dance? For you not to get offended in your heart. Because what will happen if you're doing something before God and you feel like God's saying you should do it and somebody comes and says, hey, I don't feel like God's saying to do that right now. What happens is the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to shut you down and say, oh, you just don't understand. You don't know what God is saying. I know what God's saying and I can't believe you want me to dance in the corner. It's an offense that could easily built up when it doesn't need to be there. And that's the enemy causing wedges in the body. Does that make sense? So one of the scriptures um, that I want to talk about is Colossians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15 and 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach Admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. And so what Colossians is telling us, what Paul is telling us, is when we come together and we have songs and we have hymns and we do all these things, it's all supposed to be about Jesus and it will bring peace to the body. So that's what I mean by we have unity in the body, and we don't want to distract others, but we also want to worship him with truth, and we know that it's true because it's about Jesus. You can tell when somebody um, does something, and it brings glory to themselves instead of bringing glory to Jesus, right? So like if you, 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 we have all known when somebody, and, or even me, have taken the microphone and said something, and it was like, well, I don't really know if I felt Jesus in it. And that's okay with the fact of that we're learning. We're all learning, right? There's grace in this church to learn, which is very unique because we're accountable to one another, but we don't judge one another. You know, every time myself or anybody else comes up here and gives a prophetic word or a leading of the Spirit, tomorrow on Monday, if it was me, I have to sit before Dennis Matt and Ryan and give account of what I said, how I led, and they tell me if they are, were in agreement with it or if I did it wrong. And I have to have a teachable spirit to take their correction, see what I could do better, or if I was wrong, I have to own it. That's everybody. So when Matt does it, when Ryan does it, when Dennis or anybody out here prophesies or leads from ministry time, from the stage, there's an accountability in the background, that we handle what goes on, not to be mean, but so that we can grow, right? The only way we learn how to grow is when we're corrected. And when we see what we've done wrong so I can learn how to do something better. That's the same thing with worship. We, I want the, we all want the freedom of the Spirit in this room to where we're doing the things that we feel like God's leading us to do. And if we do something a little weird, somebody in leadership, we'll talk to somebody about it, 
but it won't be in a judgmental way. It will be in a teachable way so we can learn together. Does that make sense? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I encourage everybody to know that chapter, but I'm just going to skip to verse 33, or we'll start in 32. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And so if you read above it in 1 Corinthians 14, it's talking about order. It's talking about when things go on in the church, it brings unity and peace, and it's not disorderly. You know, because sometimes people will say, well, the Spirit of God made me do this, so I had to do it a certain way even though you didn't want me to. And 1 Corinthians 14 says, well, actually, you control yourself. Your spirit controls yourself. God's not going to make you do something that is going to cause disorder among the body. And so as we grow in worship, and as things are different up here or maybe happen in a new way, we have to be open that it's okay for something new to happen and not to judge it right away. But we also need to know that it needs to bring peace and it has to feel uh, the love of Jesus has to be on what we're doing. Does that make sense? So what I want to do, because I still have plenty of time, is I have, uh, I need two volunteers. We'll do Tony and Aaron. Come on up here. You, you have volunteered. Come on down to the Price is Right. All right, I need Tony to stand right here. I need Aaron to stand right here. So what I'm going to be demonstrating is what happens every day, more often than not, than you know. And it's called the two-sided coin, right? There's always two different perspectives of the same thing. And that happens all the time in church services. That happens all day long at home. I am going to hold up my hand. Aaron is going to tell us what she sees on what she's going to describe my hand. I'm going to let her describe it. Then I'm going to take the microphone and hand it to Tony. And Tony's going to describe what he can see from his perspective. So go ahead. As much detail as possible. I see a hand. Um, I see lines in your hand, a shadow, and a cross in the middle of your palm. Um, a, a line and the shape of a cross, like, yeah, yes. No, it's like a marker. Brown. Four. One. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Tony, you share what you can see. Okay. I see five or four very skinny, long fingers okay. and a thumb. I see the Lion of Judah on one. Okay. I see, also see scars on your hand. Uh -huh. 
And <laughs> yes. How many fingernails? Five. Do you see any fingernails? No. How do you know that? Do you think they're there? How do you know they're there? Because I have a hand. Because you have. <laughs> All right. What about the scars? The what? Do you see any scars? I was wondering about them, but no, I don't. So do you think there's scars on this side? I guess so. You guess so, but you're not sure. But Tony's saying he can see scars. Yes. Okay. What about the line of Judah? Do you know what, the, what he's talking about? Yeah. Okay. Do you know that because you've seen yeah. that hand? Okay. All right. Good job. You guys did it. Clap. So Tony was asking, uh, when I talked about accountability, uh, how I'm accountable, if anybody else comes up here that is not on the leadership team, they are accountable. We meet, how do I say this? The leadership team will still meet on Monday talking about the prophetic word or how they ministered. And then it's my job to be in contact with whoever spoke if there needs to be any teaching or training on that word. Does that make sense? So with this game, what it actually shows, it's a hand, right? It's just like a coin. We're used to only seeing one side. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, in worship, I feel like God is wanting us to dance. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about that for a minute. Then I could have somebody else come up to me within the minute later and say, I feel like God's saying we need to sit down and let the peace of God rest on us. And I've said, okay, well, let me think about that for a minute. So what the point is, is there's so many different things and viewpoints in this room all the time about every single thing that is done. Every single thing. I want worship louder. I want worship softer. I wish they didn't talk so long when they preached. I wish somebody else preached. I want it to be longer. You know, that happens because we all have a different perspective of what we want individually or what God's showing us individually. And we have to learn how to become one body. We have to learn to know that even though I see something, doesn't mean that's the absolute. That I could be seeing something and feeling something, and they could be seeing and feeling something, and it's totally different. It's head and tails, and we're both right at the same time. And we have to be humble enough to walk that out but we also have to be wise enough in how to steward it. And so one of the scriptures that I really like is Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18. It says, It is good that you grasp one thing while not letting go of the other, for the one who fear God comes out with both of them. And so what I'm saying by this, it's if I say, you know, like Aaron was looking at this side of my hand, Tony's looking at this, and if Tony says, well, I see a tattoo of a lion, but Aaron's saying she doesn't see that, I'm still going to hold on to that there's a tattoo of a lion, but I'm also going to hold on to that Aaron says that there's a, a cross that is on marker on my hand. It's taking both opinions and both things of what people are saying and saying they both can be right, and I'm not going to let go of what I feel just because somebody else says something different, why not try to have them both? And that's where it takes a lot of training, 
a lot of walking out of doing it right and wrong, of learning how both things could be right and how to apply it at the right time. A lot of times when we're in church service and we feel things, we want, if I feel like, okay, it's time for healing, or a majority of the time people want to come up on stage right away and say, okay, I feel like God's saying it's time to pray for the sick. And in my experience, it's wrong. The majority of the time when God tells us something, there's a delay from when he says it to when we actually do it. And we have to learn how to flow with the spirit to know what time it is for that to happen. So we go to the example of the person saying, hey, I feel like we should dance. And the person saying, hey, I feel like we should sit. We have to steward and figure out, I think they're both right, but we have to know the timing of it. Lord, what are you saying to do first? What are you saying to do second? And the only way we learn is by asking. We have to ask God, what is the time? When do I go up? Sometimes we get so excited because he spoke to us or led us in a way we just automatically think it's our time. And he could be speaking about a whole month from now. I've had that happen where I'm sitting in there and I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, I feel like we're supposed to prophesy over people. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And the Lord's like, well, it's not today. I'm like, well, why'd you tell me about it? You know, like, I'm ready to go now. You know, he's like, well, I want you to just know that it's going to happen. So then I can internally pray about it and, and uh, ask the Lord to bless that time. But then usually the time that he says, okay, now I want you to go prophesy. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to prophesy now. I, I'm not feeling anything. And he's like, well, th- this is the time. You know, and so we can't learn to just go off our own emotions. He does lead us with our emotions. I'm not trying to devalue that. What I'm trying to say is sometimes he's leading us with his voice, even though our hearts or our emotions are wanting to do it a certain way, saying, no, there's a better way. There's a better timing. You know, if I would have came up and gave a prophetic word when I felt excited about it, it could be good. But if I came up the time when when it was his time, then I know that it would be giving him glory in the way he wanted. Does that make sense? So... When we, um, we have to understand that we, we will always feel the opposite and see the opposite things than other people. And the way you know how to trust it, and this is going to sound weird, is I trust your heart. You trust, do I feel peace? You know, because all these scriptures kept talking about is when the body comes together, Peace is usually identified in that scenario. Do I feel rest? Do I feel his presence around this? And that helps me trust, like Aaron and Tony, trust that the other person is telling me what they're seeing rightly without adding to it, without making something up. It's because I can trust their character and I trust the history of knowing them that I can understand and and go with them. I can grab both things and not lose it. Trust takes a while right? And so it's not that, hey, every time somebody comes up to you and says something, you're supposed to trust what they're saying. It's you still have discernment. You're still testing it out. But you know in your heart, the foundation is love. And above that is they're learn- you keep in mind that they're learning just as much as you're learning. So if you keep that teachable, humble heart about you, even if they're getting it wrong and you feel like they're getting it wrong, you're not going to be like, oh, they're lying to me or they're manipulating me. It's, hey, they're just learning just like I'm learning. And they're telling me with honest heart what's going on. 
but I can't trust what they're saying because it just doesn't feel right on me. And that's okay. And that's how we grow and learn. And the way we grow and learn is by asking questions. So when you feel that or you encounter that, you, you talk to the people above you. You talk to the pastors. You talk to the elders. You ask for wisdom. You ask for understanding. But more importantly, you talk to the Holy Spirit. Because when you come into this room and you believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and lead you in all truth, he will. There's no question in my heart about it that he will bring unity to us while we worship. Does that make sense? All right. I can't tell if you guys like it or not, but we're almost done. So to recap, one of the biggest distractions in all of church is yourself. It's you. You are the distraction to yourself because you and me, we are usually focused on ourselves. And so when we come in here, the way it's going to sound interesting, I would say try it a couple weeks and just see what happens. When you walk into into the sanctuary, just say, Lord, it's about you and I want unity. And you just declaring a simple thing like that, it changes instantly how you feel inside about something. It allows you to verbally be open to what other people are doing and for that not to be a distraction to you. You know, so when I hear somebody prophetically sing, and let's say, I'll give you an example. He's not here, but he might be listening. So with Matt, right? So do you guys remember a couple weeks ago when Matt was up here with Chelsea and they were singing out and singing back and singing out and singing back. I, I thought internally, I was like, this is so boring. I want to leave right now. I can't, can I go to the bathroom? Will that bring too much attention to me? Like, this is not my thing. But I knew that it was God. That's the difference. I knew him and Chelsea were doing was God. And God was anointing them, and he was singing with people out there, and they were singing back, and he was singing back. That was all Jesus. But me personally, I was like, this is not my thing. And I had to choose to either take part in what he was doing by just sitting there and just saying more, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Give him more words, Lord. Me choosing to do that instead of choosing to get on my phone or go to the bathroom or walk out, That was a worship before the Father because I was choosing to engage with something that wasn't my personal thing. Does that make sense? So as whoever we transition into with this new worship leader, with where God's taking us with worship, keep that humble heart saying, Lord, I'm willing to go any direction that you're willing to go. And I'm going to serve you and worship you no matter how I personally feel today. Amen? So we will close with this. Everybody stand. I want to pray over us. Jesus, we just come before you. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their love and their desire to be here. The only reason they're here, Lord, is for you today. We are here to serve you and worship you. 
God, I ask you just to release an anointing over us in this new season, full of grace and humility, full of love for one another, that we will be stronger together, that we will walk in the giftings you've given us, that we will be able to see what you see and hear what you hear by trusting one another in love. Lord, I ask you that you would strengthen our arms, that you would strengthen our legs, that the gifts in this room, Lord, would come to its fullness and that we would be able a burning and shining lamp, Lord, in Grandview, that we would shine with your presence, we would shine with your love and humility. Help us trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week. Go in peace. I would, oh, I'll leave you with this. I encourage you to uh, tell others about the Ukraine thing. I've had people contact me where it's hard to trust who to send money to and how to get it over there. So you might have relatives or friends who want to send money. You know, so just let them know that we're raising money in the next couple of weeks. Amen. <laughs>